Simmons and Mikkel Nielsen. All right, and we're back. Bonjour, shalom, what's up? How you living? Once again, this time on a Wednesday for the first ever How You Living Light Edition. How you doing? How you living, Jazz? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, <clears throat> when we last talked, we talked about the Tomahawk missiles in Syria and now we've seen a little bit more of the uh, backlash of that and, uh, and the kind unfolding. of the consequence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we actually recorded the day of. We didn't even get to dive in too much in the specifics of uh, the actual missile attacks. We actually went into kind of the broad scope of Syria. That's true. But it was the day of the response. And... Uh, yeah, no, we've seen we've seen a lot of changes and people are readjusting their idea of what this Trump administration is going to do, I guess. Some people were surprised by that action. Yeah, definitely <clears throat> when Trump said that Obama shouldn't do it, uh when he was talking about it before. Tweeted in like 2014, <clears throat> I want to say. I think it was 2013. 2013, yeah. And uh basically he did the same measured response that he quoted that Obama uh shouldn't have done back then but and that all being said uh it's otherwise i mean it's interesting looking forward because we all as americans have to enjoy the day-to-day life and like for instance last week we dove into syria right away and i wanted to talk for a minute about some lighter topics like baseball specifically leading into the fact that i was gonna go attend a baseball game which I did on Monday. Oh, okay, yeah. And 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 seeing our Mariners for the first home opener I'd seen since they'd been in the kingdom. Uh and it was it was really exciting and and I want to take a moment to say why that's important to mention is that that was 44,000 fans in here in Seattle cheering on something and that happened and went without a hitch and everyone had a good time. And we need to celebrate the victories of the freedoms of our country every day and remember that we 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 have earned something through these last 250-plus years, and it's not a lost cause, and it, it, the country is great already. And, and, and as much as we have to deal and focus on these things that we have to work on, we need to celebrate moments like that, like catching a home opener. It happens once a year. You know? Yeah, and, and I'm not a big baseball fan, but I I see what you mean. Well, I mean, could you? I mean, uh, a premiere of a movie, you know, the next the next big Avengers release, oh, yeah. or or Ghost in the Shell, for instance. You know, if if people are into that, you know, that's all I'm saying is, is it is a, I, it's a celebration of freedom in a sense. And I, as much as I'm disappointed with Trump being elected, I have to celebrate my own life as much as I can during this Trump era. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've not stopped doing that. No. Right. But we do have a official version of Looking Back, and it's called... Cook-a-cook-callbacks. Cook-a-callbacks, yeah. Which is a callback to a theme song I wrote called Callbacks, yeah, 
oh. where I respond to you saying Coca callbacks and I go, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just play it over and over. So that's that's the, the theme. But uh official callback to the last episode. Um since it's uh showing um, I did watch a uh, mini series, the first two parts on PBS about World War One, and oh. it's, it's called The Great War. And one of the things that I'm using as a callback through that is the devastation of Europe in 1917 when America entered the war. Reminds me of footage and photos I'm seeing right now of Syria. And how everyone has to discuss it as if it's a regular place and a place that, that can rebuild and has opportunities also is completely devastated and torn apart. Mm. And from that, I can see one thing is that eventually Europe does look better. And so I I can take a lot from that. I can see like, okay, post the bombing, there was reconstruction in Europe and obviously, after World War One, we screwed up because it led to a second world war. But uh, the post version of that has led to a, a, a yielding decades of, of, of European peace. Post That's that true. And, and so we have to look at the Middle East and all these destabilized countries and wonder, can we build a future for them that's similar to that? And 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 give them the infrastructure and yield them the supplies and power they need to to succeed. Because honestly, when you see the devastation in Aleppo versus 1917, um, the the area between France and Germany, uh, it's like I forget like the specific names they used. But mm-hmm. if you look at one of those cities, it's so similar. It's just infrastructure removed. The, there's no walls. There's people who of all designations, whether they're civilians or military or rebels that are being photographed and they're just there and and there's nothing left. And now when you go to those places, you know, there's schools and houses and buildings and waterfalls and the normal things. And so uh, the one thing I took from that was watching a place that hadn't experienced that type of devastation. I mean, in 1917, you have to look to the Civil War to see a similar conflict, and that was only here in America, so Europe didn't really get a full view of that. And what happened in World War One was crazy. Mm-hmm. That's the whole reason why the Third Reich was able to come into power, because they used kind of the post-war woes that Germany was feeling. After the conventions that, yeah, the treaties of Versailles, I believe mm-hmm. it was that that forced them into uh, to to owing deep money to to the nations and and yeah yeah no it's a it's a it's a tricky subject and it really created prosperity for America. I mean, we became the dominant world power out of that situation, and it actually became the paradigm of American politics from that point on was that war equals money, mm-hmm. and it really wasn't until the fa- failed Korean. Uh, followed by Vietnam, followed by weird contras and coups in the 80s, followed by, you know, our current standings in Afghanistan and Iraq, that we've learned that military conflicts don't necessarily yield uh, economic benefits, you know? Yeah, <clears throat> I think because back then in World War Two, the men went to war, but then the women made to, uh, went to work doing manufacturing. And that's basically how manufacturing and have once we got into the industrial revolution 
and then we went on to become like the premier manufacturers of things uh, throughout the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Then I started to die off um, in the 80s when we were supposed to go from being a, a physical developer of physical materials to developing intellectual property and became way better at computers and technology. Well, and that's and that's kind of what and I guess I mean, do you have a callback you want to do cuz we can go into this whole topic for a I guess that was kind of <clears throat> I did talk about that a little bit last time. Okay. Cuz what I was going to say was uh that's what this this documentary touches on is how America utilized the development of the World War and what was going on to to take uh, 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 not only just a position in the war itself, but a position in as a global power, mm-hmm. and and it yielded a lot of strength because it came to the aid of both Britain and France, and instead of just joining their ranks and allowing the military structure that was already in place, they actually instituted their own uh, strategy mm-hmm. and came in from that angle of we're going to be you know going for the same cause but at the same time we're going to be independently operating and 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 you know we'll communicate but we're we have our own agenda here as far as what we think will be the best way to employ because at that time there was a stalemate of trench warfare and it was only yielding dead lives oh yeah nothing else and so america came in with this ingenuity and power and we were already funding the allies for decades or a decade and uh it, it it's from that that America yielded its power in intellectual property. Like you're saying, we started developing the best weapons. We started developing the best technologies so that we could sell them and be an advantage. And and that before that, we weren't doing that. We were insular. We were an agri- agrarian society. We only grew whatever we sold. And it's interesting seeing this documentary that's 100 years in the storytelling old yeah and yet it's so applicable to what's occurring right now in the sense of america needs to find its place in the world we're losing ground to other nations we're are not exactly uh, china's definitely going to overpower our economy in the next five years and it'll be either equal or above and that'll be the first time that's occurred since world war ii and it was england so the fact that that's about to happen is big news. And the fact that that's probably not the biggest news is that India or Indonesia could do the same. And it's because the value of your population and the way you can institute it is what makes you a dominant nation. And what China and Indonesia and India have on Russia and America is population and near dictatorships. So they're able to just coerce their populations into doing what the will of the government needs in order to get the whatever position they need. And those are things that we don't really have. And I mean, obviously, India is a democracy, but the oil industry there is nationalized and a lot of the major money there is, you know, influenced by what the major players want. Yeah, but I think that's a little short-sighted. I mean, Isn't I, I can long-sighted? see because mm-hmm. they're not there yet. I'm saying in the future they're gonna they're gonna over. No, uh, by I know in the future, but you mean like five years in the future, right? I say short-sighted because I think 25 years in the future, if America does it right, um, America like see, 
I think when you said oil, that's always the big thing. Whenever someone mentions oil, I'm like, as much as it's popular today, we know damn well it's not sustainable. And even China is getting away from its fossil fuels. Um, There's places in Europe that are running 100% their grid on renewable energy so much that they have to pay people to use electricity right i wasn't using oil as an example of an industry as i was an example of like a sector of the economy that is controlled by the government and so and what i'm saying there is so that i would guess instead of using the term oil i would use the term energy and i would say that they would nationalize the energy sector in these countries so if later it's solar or if later it's some other hybrid battery whatever the the reason that I'm saying these countries will be more efficient in implementing money from those sources is because they're a, a state-controlled entity. And as much as we're government-controlled because our states have higher power than states in other nations, our government is weak at the national level as far as implementing state-controlled entities. And so corporations are actually more powerful uh, monetarily in the U.S. than the government itself. Um Dollar for dollar, the government is worth a lot, but when it comes to spending power and activation, uh, corporations can do whatever they want, whereas the government has restrictions. And so in these other countries, they've limited those restrictions, and so the country is able to move towards progress a lot faster. Um, that yields some limitations on freedoms. That's mm-hmm. the trade-off. You know, We yield freedom for a less efficient dollar. Yeah, and I also think, like, to say, I know China will continue with the manufacturing thing, but that's why I keep stressing the IP thing, and this is why I keep trying to de-stress the manufacturing thing, because trying to bring back manufacturing jobs to America is a fool's mission. It's it's right. way too expensive to do it here. Plus, that's not what we need here anymore. We're built, like... When India becomes industrialized, India gets a middle class. The middle class are the ones who start using things like iPads, iPhones, TVs, Internet. Those are the ones that are going to take part in looking at intellectual property and seeing the different ways they interact with it there. Now, China kind of has their own locked up market. Like they have their own Internet. They have their own Google. Um, I think it's called Baidu. Right. And they have like their own Twitter. So... Well, I mean, that's why China is technically the the dominant power in the world today. I mean, it it, it takes a lot of doctrine study and you can you can kind of divide the pie however you want. But most of the time it comes up with China. And when I learned it, um, the class was called transitional power theory and or power transition theory actually and what it was based on was the idea that every time a world power is superseded from the two to the one position war occurs and the only time that a two has ever passed a one and war did not occur was in 1940s when america passed england and financially became the world power there was no i mean clearly there was a world war occurring but there was no war between us and england and right now china is our chasing number two and so the world is watching power transition theory and asking can a two pass a one again peacefully i i think see with this administration no 
Um, if right. it was a different administration, like see, because we're not playing the long game. We are because China. Uh, that's the one thing you, you said the oil thing, mm-hmm. and I know that they're building those small islands in the South China Sea in order to make sure they take stake in that oil in that places because they have weird borders and stuff within that zone with like other places like Brunei and things like that. Right. So that's why as long as fossil fuels become like still the market leader in a lot of the things that we do, I mean, then that has benefit. But you can undercut them by working towards renewables. Right. And making renewables the ubiquitous energy source now. But America's too much on on like, oh, no, a lot of us rich Republicans make a lot of money off of fossil fuels. We don't want that to go away. That's why I like Shell. Shell is actually investing in future energies, and I think Shell is going to be the power player that goes, hey, man. So so I guess, I mean, what, what are you – so in a way, because, I, I mean, it does not have to be an argument, but in that discussion, are you saying that the antithesis to what I was saying or the, the, the counterpoint is America can continue to be number one? Because that's the only other way that my formula yeah. doesn't yield an argument is I'm saying in power transition theory, a two passes a one and there's war. Yeah. Except in the case of 1940, whatever, 43, 44, 45, the course of the end of the war. Um, and I think that's only because Europe or not Europe, uh, the UK and the they US needed were allies. Us and we had credited them. Correct. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. So the formula of that statement would yield only an argument if China doesn't pass us with war, except for the idea that you're using that green energy. But what I'm saying is they're probably still going to go to green energy, actually, and I have an example of that. Um, no, no, well, but they're going to use that to boost this economy beyond ours. And that's my point is economically as a world power, they're going to pass us and they become a one. How does that situation here's the formulaic question go from two to one without war in the situation of us in china how do we so that's what I'm, that's that's kind of the the point of thought i'm asking you oh no no i get you and, and i mean yielding the idea that they are transitioning to green energy and the point i was going to make is i have an uncle who wrote a book called clearing the air and it was written between him and a fellow from uh hong kong the uh, university of hong kong and it was written about china and their ability to go green. And that book was written in 2005, and a lot of it's like facts that are actually outdated, and I think there's a second edition they've put out recently, or it's coming out. Mm-hmm. But the point of the book is still natured, is if China doesn't invest not only nationally and globally in green energies, helping to stave off the polluting CO2, the amount of CO2 their population can produce, given the power of the state and the ability and the finances, and the amount of coal they burn and can obtain, they pollute more than the rest of the world. Oh, so yeah. the, 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 the point of the book is, if China doesn't go green, it doesn't matter what the rest of the world does. And so the point is, China is going green. They're investing. So I'm not afraid of them being too divested in oil. I'm afraid of them passing our economy as a world power and having that unstable moment where there's a dominance theory and every other time prior, people attacked the other. And it goes back generations and and millenniums 
And literally only modern history has an example of peace. And it's because, like you said, there was an agreement. Well, see, the point, because like if I was able to start from the beginning, it was the reason why I mentioned the IP thing is they won't be able to they won't be able to be number one as long as America produces more. Right. That's what I was saying. So that's what you were saying. Right. Yeah. So you think we can stasis at number one somehow economically? Yeah, no, of course that's, we that's can. That's what I was asking. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. the argument. That's what I said. I said the right. phrase. Yeah, you can yeah. hear it. They'll get the playback. But yeah, <laughs> that's my point. That's the only other statement. There's only two. That's what I was saying. It's basically a formula question. Like, well, it, it, but there is the thing where China is bringing uh, all of our, like, their children here to learn, and then they're going back to China, because mm-hmm. there is a Silicon Valley in China. Oh, there's and, multiple. My, right. Like I told you, my friend worked in Shanghai. Yeah. And that is definitely a capital of technology there. Oh, yeah, for sure. I know and, people who work in Shanghai as well, too. Yeah. Um. So they're definitely, when it comes to, like, the IP, they are being a little dangerous. But, like, again, see, uh, I hate this administration. This administration might so, make I us mean, go to two. You're a very positive and optimistic person, and I believe you. And I'm telling you, the only time I was ever pessimistic about world politics is when I took this class <laughs> from Robert Tanneman at portland state university called power transition theory but it's a theory that was written by this guy called i think ovalosky who mm. is like a professor of political science and developed the theory just based on historical analysis and observation and my professor was one of the other authors years later mm-hmm. and so it's one of those situations where a professor has written the the class so it's just him telling you his his theory but it's the only thing about it is they're the ones that told the Nixon administration that China was the better play than Russia and that economically China was always going to be the stronger power. Oh, of course. And that was a thought and theory that for the entire Reagan administration was ignored. And they did do a good job of proving the original theory right when they bankrupt Russia with the whole spending program Mm -hmm. but everyone knew they didn't even have to do that china or russia itself was imploding it was losing money every day it was a lost cause and it needed no money spent on our side to you know defense wise stay strong but other than that there was no need for the amount of posturing and things we did um but yeah, it's a it's a it's a theory, and and it, the one thing it got right historically is that it called China a stronger power than Russia. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> I think. Well, honestly, with this administration, I just realized we probably will go to war with China, and we will lose. Um, only because I say that because we got rid of the TTP, and the TTP was supposed to be a strategic um, trading deal that allowed us to have alliances with the rest of the South Pacific nations. That way, collectively, we could have an equal dominance against China. Then I think we would have been okay. But because there's always, I'm going to just call it unchecked nationalism now. Right. And what... And they're just like globalism is taking away our our jobs and such. And yeah, they're, they're all been... inward focused. Um, I mean, because they're not they're not actually looking at the, the. I mean, we've been a global nation since what 1492. So yeah, yeah, it's not it's not anything. Yeah, globalization <clears throat> is how you make your money. Like yeah. it, it's it's nothing wrong with um. There's nothing wrong with actually going to and getting 
Uh, what is it? I mean, the, the world is always there, 24 hours. Somebody is up right now. It's their time. They're just pouring coffee. They're about to go to work er, currently on this planet. If that's happening on a surface that you know about, that's part of your world, mm-hmm. period. And so in that world, like all of this is connected. Our economies are connected. Our our cultures are connected. We're, we're different, but we're the same. And as much as we keep focusing on the differences, we need to be focusing on the similarities. And that's like bullshit, like cliche talk, but it's real because we're only posturing for difficulties right now. There's yeah, that's true. You know, we're posturing. Like, I mean, like right now, the idea between ro- the choice that Russia and Syria have with us, and the choices that uh, China has. I mean, literally, Trump did just send a armed warship to the South China Sea, supposedly to. No, he sent it over to Korea. Yeah, but it's the because s- Korea's um. They're they're threatening nuclear war. I think it's still in the area around. Ch- I mean, China's north of Korea. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, Korea's north of China. Mm-mm. If you go from South Korea to North Korea, north of it is China. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And that's where they get all their money. They are only like trading partner in North Korea is uh, China. Is it like? Uh, communist China or the People's Republic of China? It's it's China, China, and and China knows it. There's deals that basically there's China, China doesn't answer the question. Well, you, okay, like here's what <laughs> here's the trade off, and you can get most of this from Vice. Uh, the the basic deal is that there's most of North Korea's slave labor, so anything mm-hmm. the labor is is given to the state, and so the state's able to trade free commodities like lumber steel whatever is produced by the the public and uh sell it at a at a cheaper rate than what um china can get and so basically they they give china the reason to invest and it's backdoor and it's secret and russia does it too and uh yeah it's a lot of uh It's a lot of trade-offs that are not not sanctioned or governed, and nobody, and it actually causes problems in the industries that they trade in. So, like lumber becomes too cheap, and yeah, it's a whole thing. Uh, but yeah, check it out on Viceland. It talks about the North Korea slaves <laughs> that are in uh, currently. Some of them actually are in Russia. They're working in Siberia, and they think some of them think they're still in North Korea. Well, okay then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You gotta, I mean, uh, the that's the thing about this world, man, is like it's easy to just kind of ignore a lot of it, but a lot of these places, I mean, you do the same thing with half of Africa, certain cities in South America, parts oh, of yeah, Central America. I mean, there are, there are, there's chaos, man. No, I think that's, um, you know. I, I always say now, I think I probably mentioned it before on the podcast where it was uh, – what happens when your slaves stop being human? And yeah. because I feel like the way to undercut every single other country when it comes to labor like that is building the robots that can do that sort of work more <laughs> efficiently without them. <clears throat> but, but everyone needs a value. I mean, how are you going to give them a value to get through their day? How are they going to get their food source? Because they're not going to, not everyone's going to be, not everyone's able to make robots. That's the reality. 
no 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 what i mean is like we make the robots we as in america and we then sell those robots to other places <laughs> right i mean it, eventually it, it's it, it's the whole deal of late stage capitalism and I mean, capitalism only works when I there's thought, enough capital going around i but, thought i thought the future is like site site construction so like on site things are because transportation is where most of your cost is lost. So most oh, yeah. most innovation is going to have to be a mobile technology. This IP you're talking about well, should be... I just mean intellectual no. property just means for yeah. me the exchange of ideas. Yeah, no, it just means like, intellectual property to me. But yeah. what I was saying was this IP, it would have to be able to be done in sight. And so like robotic technology should somehow utilize... Uh, technology that is able to be Im built wherever it's where well, it's at that well, way you that can take it to the most remote places because the moment you start have limitations on place you have limitations on scale you have limitations on sales volume and all that shit so you will I and mean, that's where like jeep took over the suv market for 40 years before anyone caught on it was because they were like oh some people just want to get anywhere and so your technology in the future, because the internet and because people are required in the mobile and everyone's pushing every element. I mean, GoPros were in space before they were on the fucking snowboards. <laughs> like it's like, it's 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 all happening so fast that everything has to be global. You have to be able to scale up from anywhere. Oh, the three. The answer to that is three D printing plus right. robots. Correct. Well, it's definitely 3D printing, and it's definitely utilizing scale-up methods of knowing what resources are needed, and like, I mean, that that I believe, yeah. But I don't think resourcing technology the way we do it now, where America builds a bunch of things and puts it on a ship and sends it everywhere, is a feasible technology because people are smart enough to do it themselves. And if we don't want copied technology, you just have to pay to go there and build it. And that's what we've been doing to China for the last 15 years, even knowing they're going to steal it, but we get paid by them for 10 years. And that's the trade-off. They're like, we would have stole it anyway. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the deal. And that's true. Yeah. So, But my more of the robot thing is less about that and more about how it's going to replace humans. And that's where, like, that, that's where late-stage capitalism Are you trying falters. to start Skynet? Like... <laughs> No, trying to start Skynet. Skynet will happen. Yeah. All right. Like not maybe in the way. What is that? What if you go to? What happens if you go to Skynet.com? Who owns Skynet.com? Oh gosh. We have to know that. Like we have to at least see and witness on this podcast to find out how we're living, knowing who owns, or if it's available. Uh, when you put that in, it goes to Telestat. Telesat. Take advantage of Telesat's Vantage series of satellites. Sky okay, so Skynet is real, folks. <laughs> no, of course, everything's gonna be interconnected by computers in the yeah. future, as long as we don't fuck ourselves up. That does make me want. What's Terminator dot com, and it goes straight there too. And you're like, ah, oh, damn it, they got them all. <laughs> no, I mean it's because there's gonna because so this is the way I try to explain it. So yes, humans have been doing backbreaking work for millennia. But every time we've learned to do things more efficiently, um, we used to be hunter and gatherers. Then we learned how to farm, and then we learned how to first we learned how to farm. Then we domesticated animals to help us farm. 
Mm-hmm. And then we built machines that replaced the animals to help mm-hmm. us farm. And just kept the animals around we needed. Right. And then, but see, the thing is, those machines still needed to be operated by human beings. Now we're going so efficiently that those machines won't need to be operated by human beings. That is where the next evolution of that comes from. True. Because we're always looking for yeah, that efficiency. Yeah, no, I mean, your, 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 your harvester turns into a Roomba. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, obviously. And you're, yeah, everything turns into a Roomba. But the implications of yeah, that, I and mean, the reason why I always bring that up is because Trump and the populist kind of nationalists are always about manufacturing jobs or like blue collar physical labor and technology and the way that we've gone over and just evolved as the human race when it comes to technologies we build for agriculture or just doing hard labor work always goes to a place where it becomes easier. So even though we might have a sense of purpose doing these jobs, uh, our sense of innovation will beat that back. It'll eventually be... Okay, I guess what I was trying to say is that we do deserve to give some people manufacturing jobs if they actually want them. And so to some degree, um, that is actually a part of the economy in my mind. I actually don't see us completely eliminating manufacturing. In fact, in my mind... That is something we could technically expand on. I mean, I think Tesla's proven that. I think SpaceX has proven that. I think I think there are ways we can develop manufacturing and even resource allocation. Coal mining might be necessary for the near future. We need to find out what the deadline is on coal, how long our coal-operated power plants have to run for us to keep providing it coal. We can get an algorithm and set a date to get off coal if we want and give those people that need to go get that coal a real estimate of how much coal this nation needs. I mean, that's, we a, that's real math. We do that fucking bullshit. No, we do. And then we also no. need to invest in no, real... No, we just need to tell them to get the <clears throat> fuck out of the coal mines, give them the ability to learn something new and give them the ability no, to do something what new I'm in the workforce. Is you're, you're missing the point that we still have coal-powered plants. We still need coal. You're... We have you're, coal reserves, though. And and if you have, still have coal-powered plants, it shouldn't be about continuing the power to coal power plants it should be converting those coal power plants to renewable energy but i just said that but there's a there's a transition period so you can't what i'm saying is there's an actual algorithm you can actually give them a date we're not turning off the coal power plants tomorrow you're 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 acting like i'm saying we'll give them 40 fucking years i'm saying (laughs) let's fucking look at it Mm -hmm. and actually come up with a goddamn number it's not that fucking hard i'm saying how many coal fucking power plants do we have to run over the next 20 years how many of those coal years is too long but 20 years is real if you look at a society and how many people are operating and what the wattage usage is and the replacement wattage from solar and hydro and whatever isn't going to come as fast so there is actually an algorithm of 20 years of implementation and development before we're going to get it i mean you got to be realistic i'm not but acting we, like coal needs to turn off what i'm saying is but we already it have is, the technology it, it's it's there no, it's not there in the sense that it isn't there solar does not provide the accurate amount that we need and gas and natural gas isn't a further solution no it does you just need more space no you need it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work all the time it doesn't provide 300 
365 days of power. It doesn't. It does not. It no, doesn't. Yeah, okay. So, no, no, no. Let me explain this. Let me explain this. And coal does. And yeah, you can have battery this. reserves and all that. Let me but. explain this. Let me explain this because I actually know what I'm talking about with this. That's real too. It's not saying I don't know what I'm talking all about. Right. I'm real. Look up power, coal power plants and the percentage of America that's on them no, and tell I me that, that it won't take I 20 years. I know that. It's not going to so, take 20 years though. And the reason why is it, um, uh, I was watching a thing on Great Courses Plus and it told you how much space you need or how much like coal you need or basically it was like one kilowatt hour and how much you needed from each power source in order to do it right and the problem that solar has right now is that solar needs a wide amount of space and enough sunlight so there's some places that benefit from it more there's some been some some that benefit from benefit from it less but the way that solar is working up to now is that they are maximizing the efficiency of energy that they get from sunlight with the amount of daylight that they have in order in these areas. So it is becoming more efficient. It's not going to take 20 years because 20, like that's like saying because solar energy has been in the works since the 1970s and there's but newer and newer technologies that it's never produced the same wattage period but no, if it see, can no, in 20 no, years no, no, that's no, awesome no, but no you're not being nuanced enough it's not it's never produced the same wattage it is a, you could be wrong too man you're being you're being too unnuanced apparently because no. my point my point is that i'm not saying i'm only saying that right now our population is dependent on coal and to get a population off realistically you have to give a timeline because you can't increase costs because the things you are saying take costs. So you're ignoring a principle. And I, I wish you would just be more calm and just listen and understand that I'm only debating you. I'm not angry at your premise, but what I'm saying. No, no, no. I'm not I'm angry saying, either, but, but you're I not allowing you're, me. I feel you're angry at the 20-year coal market. I I'm am. Like, That's I'm a, not a ridiculous number, it man. It is a ridiculous number. It isn't. It, it isn't. It's a ridiculous number because of one, global warming. And it's a ridiculous number, too, because the transition from one grid to another grid doesn't need to take 20 years. It does if it's the power efficiency of coal to solar currently there isn't enough you can do it wattage. in stages and yeah, the stages. stages wouldn't take 20 years i think for do you know every demographic of the united states and how no many? i yeah. just know that 50 percent so, of it runs on um fossil fuels and yeah. i know of that 30 percent of that is coal and then the other 20 is natural gas. I know this. And then, but what would be the most efficient? What's the most efficient currently used? Nuclear, right? And we're only using that in a very small segmented thing. That has so, a, that's, a, that's a whole cultural thing. Right? Should right? we not? After Three Mile you, Island, people became turned off from nuclear. Do you think but, we should, I mean. Should, yeah, we should switch over to nuclear. Nuclear would be way better than coal and natural gas. So that, in my mind, would be the only technology that would replace in within 20 years. I would not see wind and solar being the dominant power source in 20 years for America. That's because we keep holding on to this idea that we need to keep using coal. I'm not saying we need to keep using coal. I'm being a realist and telling you about how much our industry is dependent on it. And right now, to sway that... You, there's leases. I have worked at a bar that had a 10-year lease. So I can't imagine what an industry factory lease is like. So these cities are indebted. And these power numbers, they're, they're these are... Payments have been paid out 10 years in advance to some cities. So so it's not as easy as you think. And I'm saying I'm saying it takes 20 years to say we need to stop doing this to the minute we stop doing it. I'm not saying we need to take 20. 
I'm just saying from the moment you come out, say if you're President Trump tomorrow, and mm-hmm. say we're going to get rid of coal in 20 years, that's the most honest thing he could say. Because 15 or 10 would be awesome, but it would take a lot, dude. And you got to just understand construction and 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 all the licensing and regulations involved. It's crazy. But right now, it's easy to just go buy coal. So you have to take the candy away from the baby, and it's fucking difficult. And it might take 20 years. Yeah, I wish it took five, dude. No, no. Like, and I hope we don't fight China. <laughs> like, I don't want you to think I want to go to war with China. No, I- no. I mean, <laughs> I still, I will, I'm going to call bullshit on 20 years for coal because it's only 20 years because of people's um, attachment to it. That's it. It, it is not like it, the renewable energy isn't out there and renewable energy isn't efficient enough. Like I said before, there are countries where they're running their grid 40% off of renewables, 60% off they're of renewables. They're smaller countries. So. Right. They're way but smaller countries. They are smaller countries, but that doesn't yeah. mean that we can't do that regionally. Here regionally, in Se- yeah. Here in Seattle, we're we 40% pro- hydro, 20% yeah. nuclear. The Northwest, where right, I've lived yeah. my whole life, we've always been the most efficient right, part of the country. Right, down in California, their wind, their geothermal and and uh, the new, right? nuclear that I don't know. right they're, they're, yeah it's they, only it's only in like the midwest where they're all the far west in, in utah south, nevada right but in in utah nevada they have so much unused space they have the space to have um solar farms that the technology is already there for them to have solar farms and the solar farms just need to be big enough to match the efficiency that these fossil fuels are doing. That's why like, when yeah. you say 20 years, that's why I keep calling bullshit. Well, but, right? Like, but, that's why but that takes, I mean, it, it, there's land there, man, and there's things there. There's things that live in that land, and like that, uh, there's people that live around that land, and so so yielding it to the solar is not going to be as, as quick. Uh, it's to, not going to be easy, but that's I, why we have I, regulations. I, we can't really with the EPA because the EPA is like, fuck your regulations. We want yeah. fossil fuels. So what I'm saying and, it's like if you talk to me in 2037 hmm. i'll be like look at us we're off coal yeah but i'm we're not already saying fucked the planet by that point but but right now regionally we're living in a place that's off coal my whole life i've lived under hydroelectric power so i've been off coal the majority of my life my point is currently a bunch of coal plants are on and they're burning coal and of they're going to keep that. burning coal and that's why computers are on in those cities and that's why people are on the internet in those places and that's the fucking reality and it doesn't matter if green technology can come in 10 years to them they have a coal power plant and it makes the cost whatever it is they understand the cost there's a lot in your premise that you're not also seeing i feel like I understand how efficient solar fucking shit is. I love it. I'm talking about it being implemented and how hard that actually is. So, okay. State by state So, when you say hard, do you mean hard in a physical way? Like, to be able to install it? Um, Legislatively. Okay. That that, that I can agree with you with then. Through local legislatures and getting regional passage on the appropriations for space and money It'll go, it'll take a lot of red tape and it'll go city by city in places, county by county, places like Washington might be able to implement full statewide coverage, but yeah, because before it sounded like your argument was it was going to be hard to implement from a grid space. And that's what I was arguing. Like, no, 
We yeah. have that technology now. That's no. that's the stupid. No, no, we I'm, can't. Right? I'm saying, <laughs> like, I'm saying, people aren't that fast to adapt to it. And you, it, as much as it's in their favor, I'm saying twenty years is like I've watched. I mean, look at the evolution of transportation in Seattle. I mean, how far behind are they with this train they're building? Well, that, I mean, it's twenty years that, old. That has Why? bureaucratic shit written all over. But that's it. what I'm talking about. Building building power grids is bureaucratic shit. Yeah, it's 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 and it'll it'll get caught in contracts and you'll have big Bertha problems and like it's the same issue, man. And it's 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 bureaucratic. It's you said it. But the one thing is Trump's going to invest. Maybe that's part of maybe he'll fucking invest in solar. He's not going to fucking do that. Ah, dude, he's dude in Nevada is Nevada Nevada doesn't have any coal. He's got to invest in Nevada. Nevada voted for him. I mean, come he, on. He put Scott Pruitt on the EPA. Scott Pruitt is a fossil that doesn't fuel mean he fuck. Does, yeah, but he's the deal maker. He doesn't give a fuck. He'll make a deal with Nevada for solar and be like, I'm the solar king. Make one speech in Nevada, roll the dice in a casino and be out. Like, come on, man. Right. See, but it, here's the funny thing. Like the Rocky Mountains that we could do like a good geological survey of it. The Rocky Mountains are high enough and they have enough space over the course Denver, of it. Denver advertises 200 days of sun a year. Right. Yeah. And but like solar's getting so efficient that you can get everything you need in like two hours sometimes. Two hundred. I'm just saying 200 days is a lot of days. Yeah. <laughs> and and when I was actually in Denver the last time, people had solar panels on their roofs. So there are like singular solar panels that are able to just power your um, yeah. house. Which should on become its more own. efficient. I looked into those a long time ago, man. I studied photovoltaics hobbyist wise about eight years ago. It's gotten so much better. No, it's gotten crazy. But the companies are all the same. Like Kyocera was really big mm -hmm. on the early shit, and they they have some really good uh, flexible solar panels and things, and like. It's all these companies you wouldn't really expect that are that are uh, they've been investing in these for a long time, but like it's really interesting because they don't quite fully power homes at this point unless you buy a bunch of them. But like a single panel can totally power most of a boat mm -hmm. and like an RV all day, and so like you can just have like a gas engine and a solar panel on your roof of an RV and never run anything else. And it would run your electric stove. You have an electric pizza and whatever. The fuck oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> no solar. Like, well, it, I, <clears throat> I don't want to just say solar because a lot of, uh, like a lot of places in America are a hybrid fossil. So it's like some gas, some coal. Um, I forget what the other one is, but in other places like there's geothermal, there's wind, like you can build wind farms and, at solar farms interchangeably with each other. You can have solar in one place, and you can have the wind farms next to them. Uh -huh. And uh, those are going to need technicians too. Like those just can't work by themselves. So I still, and 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 then I think actually the last thing about what would incentivize to switch more is if it would make it cheaper uh, and for the consumer at large. Because compared, because Philadelphia well, that's is the natural always gas. The key. If you can right? make it cheaper, yeah. Like Philadelphia is a uh, natural gas and nuclear, and uh, which that's got to be pretty reasonable. No, like people would complain about the electric costs out there. When I lived in my apartment by myself here in Seattle, my electric bill was nothing more than like thirty something dollars. Here is like every two months, it's probably like a hundred and twenty bucks, 
every so you, two months, but it's a house. So but you got it. You got it backwards because you said Seattle, but you said it was like thirty dollars in Philly. Oh no, it was it was thirty dollars in Seattle. It was uh, probably like for like the same amount of usage and Philly oh, probably oh. like sixty bucks. Oh really? Oh yeah. weird. So it was more over there. Yeah, it was way more. People would complain about the electric bill all the time back home. So I mean, well, nuclear is more expensive than hydro. Yeah. Yeah, and we get we get federal subsidy because we invented nuclear. Basically, we help facilitate the Manhattan Project, and we have this whole Hanford cleanup. So that's true. Washington gets mad money federally, and it it actually goes towards cleanup and energy. And so I think that's where mm. some of our energy subsidy comes from. Okay. Perhaps, yeah. But that's been a big issue lately. They've actually said Hanford is getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> not better so that's gonna be uh apparently the new plan and they came into my school during an environmental ethics class is called the hundred year plan and as they talk about it they're talking about encasing all of the like leaking storage tanks and all this stuff mm-hmm. and they every time they talk about it they talk about the thousand year half-life and it's the hundred year plan. That's all I'm <laughs> <laughs> And it's costing billions. So I was just there as a college student being like, Whoa. Right. We, we fucked up. And that was for two nuclear weapons. You know, that was just to drop the two bombs in Japan. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, we just need to take like yeah, we need a nuclear disarmament. Well, yeah. at this point, you, well, that's what we're looking at. The, that place is done. They haven't done shit for a long time. Oh, no, I just mean like the world even, at large. Right, but I'm like, look at that. We can't even clean it up. So it's like, that's the one problem with nuclear is it's so permanent. Like, it is a long-term solution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, emphasize on long-term. <laughs> right, that's true. If, if, energy, if energy wasn't such a commodity, um, it, we could probably, because... Ultimately, you want to get to the point where you just want to get energy from the sun directly. Yeah, and and you wonder which we're inefficient at getting, even at our highest solar level. And like oh, you, I don't even mean from the panels. I mean like you send. Oh, I just meant mechanisms. in the energy itself. Like hmm. the, they they measure the amount of energy the sun hits, and like solar panels collect like one one billionth. You know, oh, actually yeah. the most the most efficient uh, absorber of the sun is chlorophyll. Oh yeah, they're the the best adapters of solar energy. They use it to the highest uh, energy efficiency. And I do think they are they're using that the, they're mimic they're attempting to synthetically mimic that. Yeah. yeah. But my point being, yeah, I mean, and even that there might be technology beyond. Oh yeah, that's of course. Our, that's our only example. But my point is that yeah, solar is obviously. I mean, the sun. The sun's our closest friend. Period. That's a life statement. That's not. <laughs> that's, that's not even science. Right. It's when like, people used to worship the sun, they had good reason to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the only reason we get up in the morning. I mean, mm-hmm. for the real, you know, what would we call it if there wasn't a sun? It would just be we get up and it's dark. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we wouldn't be able to sustain life. I mean, we as we know it. Yeah, who knows? You know. Well, yeah, that's true. You don't know, but uh, sun's cool. So solar should power. Uh, Renewables should power. Renewables should power. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. And I say it's alright.